Welcome to Accounting High. It was lighting as a service, effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, it sounds similar to solar now. Very like, similar. That's how they sell solar yep. to us. Paper um, performance. We were the first ones to basically do it in the lighting industry, which presented a lot of financial challenges, but eventually we figured out. That was your light bulb moment. That was. That was so the vision, light bulb moment. Yeah. The vision to a reality is a definitely an impetus to become an entrepreneur and to continue to want to do that, especially if there were ups and downs and a lot of lessons learned at a young age. So, and you're still relatively young. I mean, you're, you're pretty young for, you know, CEO. Yeah, 30. How many, so let me get into this intro. May I have your attention, please? Welcome to Accounting High. It's freshman year at a brand new school. Here, we have no rules in place as we're on a mission to set our own traditions. So hang tight and learn with us as we grow. At Accounting High, you can expect to gain knowledge in a completely different way than what you may be used to with some fun and oftentimes colorful conversations. Whether you loved high school or you hated it, here's your chance to be a part of an unforgettable experience redone. While you're here, don't forget to follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to us right now so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And feel free to leave us a five-star review letting us know how the school year is treating you. So sit back, relax, and open your mind because class is in session. I repeat, may I have your attention please? This is another public service announcement brought to you in part by Accounting High. The views and events expressed here are of the next generation of accounting and tech professionals leading this space. The events and suggestions are not to be taken lightly. Children should not partake in the listening of this podcast. Anything else? Yeah. So without further ado, introducing the star of our show, Slim Scotty. Anything else? Yeah. Don't do drugs. We're going to have a problem here. Let's welcome Enrico Palmerino. Howdy, howdy. Another Italian. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, buddy. Well, first of all, I love your new intro. Uh, you like the new intro? That was that was not even planned. I didn't plan on us talking about that and doing the intro. So yeah, that was fun. I love it. It, it. Like as soon as I heard it, all I thought of was the the Slim Shady LP. Slim Scotty is what my wife calls me. Oh, I love it. Yeah, Dude, I realize you're that such might an be Eminem fan, which is like absolutely amazing. Like I am just obsessed. Might have been early high school. Yeah. Like since then. How old were you? Wait, how old? How old are you? So I'm 38. Okay, so I'm 33, about to be, I'll be 33 later. Yeah, so if you would have been like at elementary or middle. I was right? elementary, yeah. So when- Elementary. Yeah, when the Shady album came out, I immediately got the CD and the edited version had like a lot of stuff that like parents were like- Sure. They were like totally shocked. And then I like started looking at his other stuff. Like, like I was like, oh my God, he's amazing. And like, so I'm like going on the computer trying to find stuff and I found his old Infinite album. There was one track on Infinite that was still a little bit Shady-esque, yeah. but the rest of it just sounded like he was trying to be Nas. Like it was, I think he was, it felt like he was trying a little too hard, but now you go back to it now and it was, um, it's amazing. What do you think of Accounting High as the name? High. I like the double entendre because, uh -huh. or even maybe triple entendre, because you've got uh -huh. Accounting High as high school, the Accounting High as I'm high with energy or like I'm high on accounting, which... Mm -hmm. Maybe something else. I don't know. But I like you got the literal like aspect of like high, like I'm climbing mountains yeah. in the sky. Like the other name I had, I was on a plane and I was thinking above the cloud is a decent name, but I looked it up and somebody else already had it. <laughs> accounting high, man. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Blake suggested accounting dropouts or he liked CP aliens. I was, I had CP aliens yeah, for a while. Sick. Yeah. Well, that's my first rep. I don't think you've heard that one yet. No. Dude, accountants are getting super cool these days. They are uh, busting out, oh. putting out TV shows, you know? You started a lot of this cool kid culture. <laughs> I don't know if it's you. So that's one of my questions, right? Like, who started the cool kid culture? Who's the mastermind behind this at Botkeeper? Because that's where I first started seeing it. And you guys were unapologetic about it and still are. And I love that. And I think people appreciate that. It's authentic. Thank you. So tell me about, is it somebody else that kind of brought it out of you? For me, I 
I ended up getting addicted to the accounting space. I've been a business owner, saw the opportunity that like most business owners like myself, we didn't know the first thing about accounting and like you're thrown into it. Then I like saw the power of accounting once I understood it and teamed up with a couple individuals to build out and scale a cloud accounting practice. And when I launched Botkeeper, it was like, I just want to be, be cool. I want to like put the badass and bookkeeping and, and just make it fun. And like you said, like unapologetic, make it fun. We just, but like in edgy, as soon as I started Botkeeper from here forward, sneaks, you know, jeans, tea, and maybe a hoodie, but that's it. Like, and that's how I'm going to show up to meetings with people who are wearing a full on suit because we can, and it was like, you know, logo is super important to us. And we went around and we just plastered Botkeeper stickers across the city of Boston, like everywhere. And I still go into like restrooms and find like Botkeeper stickers at bars and, you know, you name it, just like everywhere. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, I that's, it. I feel like that's definitely a lot of inspiration for me for what I did. I mean, I was, Funny. I'm starting to realize my purpose and my reason for being, and it's to bring the fun back to professionalism to bring the fun back to accounting. And I don't know if it's bring it back because I don't know if it was ever there to begin with, <laughs> but to continue to push it forward. Yeah. You know, like this this whole world, everybody's just been too serious in my whole life. Like I've been saying this since high school, middle school. Like why is everybody so serious? You know, why, why do you have to take yourself so seriously too? Like what's the difference between when you're in front of somebody that you have to act professionally and then you're in front of your friends, right? Like... Is there better relationships? I mean, why should I pretend to be someone in front of one group of people and then be, to your point, someone's totally different? And we we were doing this at um, Engage this year. Uh, it was funny. I was catching up with my family. They're like, yeah, how was the conference? How was Vegas? You know, the thing I always hate about Vegas is you're like indoors the whole time and it gets like stuffy. I go, not me. Said I was in, I was out by the pool in a cabana the entire time. And they're like, yep. didn't you get work done? That was the botkeeper booth. Was there was there was a pickle. What was ironic about that was there's a pickleball, which is supposed to be outdoors inside, and then outdoors you guys had a cabana, right outside the conference. And we had so. meetings in the pool. We literally sent out like I had uh -huh. a ton of meetings scheduled, and I'd send the people ahead of the meeting. Hey, like if you're cool, if you're comfortable with it, bring your suit. Do the meeting in the pool. And we literally did. We had meetings with clients. Bring a suit, but not a suit suit. A swimsuit. Yeah, a swimsuit. Right? Because yeah, <laughs> they, they were wearing a suit. They had to change from a suit to a suit. Totally. Yeah. And so like, and so I tell my family, like, oh, yeah, no, we we're meeting with our clients in the pool. We we're doing this. Like, isn't that like inappropriate? I'm like, man, my best of friends, my closest people in my life, I can be me with. Why shouldn't I be me with our clients and vendors and partner it's our parents that have that mindset because my mom has been hounding me she's like why do you have marijuana references on your linkedin profile and your twitter profile like i like to say like i am who i want to be and and it's not just about being you too like you know because like there's a statement out there right that like i am who i am and that's usually a derogatory like i'm stuck being me mm. this is i actually am who i want to be like this is who yeah I be and i'm like my best self and that's the self I'm putting out there, unapologetically, unfiltered, you know, unabashful, like just. Well, we have to watch ourselves too, because even even with me, like, I've got an ego. I'm trying to contain that. I've got, you know, I got too much pride on some things in high school, and I did in college, and it didn't serve me well. So I'm learning and evolving as a person. Have you had any lessons like that along the way too? I'm always learning. I think it's funny. My I have a, a coach that's been working with me. And she said, you know, Enrico, you gotta like stop self degrading. Like, I, like I'll, I'll say something and she's like, you gotta keep it more positive. Like, you know, I know you, you wanna be a humble, too, you're going like almost too far in that realm. Oh, that's good advice. I yeah. do that shit too. So that was awesome. You know, I think, and I'm always learning. Like I, <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes, probably more than most. And I just try to encourage others to correct me on those mistakes and not feel like just because I'm the CEO of a company that I'm, untouchable or like I'm infallible. I'm far from that. I'd argue I'd probably make more mistakes at Botkeeper than anyone else here. So, Well, but you've owned your mistakes. The reputation that, that I've gotten about you is you have owned your mistakes in the past. Thanks, man. And pivoted and changed. And that's one of the other questions I want to ask too, is like, I want to get to that where 
you guys had a pretty big pivot and you salvaged your reputation, but then also elevated it among accountants. Thank you. Pretty early on, it's hard for companies to do that or to come out of that. And that's just one example. I'm sure you have plenty of examples in your life of times where you've pivoted and changed something and changed people's perspective and changed you know, what they thought. We, we can all change. We can all evolve. We're still us yeah. at our core. We're never going to really change who we are and we are going to evolve to become better humans, yeah, better, better parents, better spouses, better bosses. I mean, I think it depends on the person, right? Like from me and you and knowing you, I think the two of us are the kind of people who are generally good people at heart. We want the best for others. We want to change the world, have an impact and make things a better place. As you and I evolve on that journey to try to be continue to be our best selves and and have those kind of impacts and our change and evolution, I think, is opportunistic for incremental positivity. Whereas like, you know, there's not not everyone's a good person. So yeah. I try to stay well, I always feel like I need other people in my court, right? Yeah. I feel like I always need other people to compliment me because I don't I definitely don't know that much. I'm learning a lot. Give me some of your inspirations, people that inspired you early on or people that you looked up to that kind of helped you get to get to where you're at. Yeah. I think at an early age, my mom, my grandfather, and my, actually both my grandfathers, moms and dad's side, and my dad were early. Are they both Italian? Are you both both your parents? My dad's uh, half Italian, half Irish. My okay. mom is, I'd say, like a European mutt. Uh, okay. That just makes me like very much a mutt. So, so <laughs> my, that's that's very similar to me. My dad's full Italian, but my mom is a European mutt, but she just says Jewish. Like that's just. And when we did the blood test for my daughter it was like eastern european jewish yeah i'm a, I'm a mutt my kids are definitely mutts my wife's mexican so they're yeah not to pivot like again a little gypsy in her or something like that oh okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so getting back to the inspirations you know your grandparents family yeah family's a big inspiration my mom was always just like hey no regrets in life go all out take risks make changes make mistakes just learn from them but never regret Ooh, well here I read a book called The Power of Regret recently as trying to reshape that as acknowledging things that you might regret so you can learn from it. I mean, I think it's just another way of framing it yeah. or phrasing it. So the mistakes, I look back at like mistakes I've made and they've resulted in some of probably the most impactful or beneficial outcomes in my life later on. So I like to look at it as like, you never know what the impact of that mistake is and like if you had changed it or altered it in that moment who knows how that would have set up your future life and what would happen ever as a result give you an instance i had started a business in college it was doing really well made a bunch of money bought a sports car then it started failing sold my suv kept the sports car couldn't afford no <laughs> tires on it and so i driving it in the winter without snow tires hit ice crash into a guardrail it's gone and i hadn't paid for the insurance on it because I was trying Jesus. to save money. So everything's like gone. I'm like, this Jesus. is such a stupid decision. Why did I do this? I had to buy a new car. So, and I had to get financing, no credit. So I went to a place that would like finance you without credit and terrible interest rates, but it would get you a car. The woman who sold me and financed me that car is now the wife and mother of my two girls. So you never like in the wow i regretted that decision and thought it was like the worst thing i could have ever done in life i learned so much from it as a result but having had not made that decision at that time not only would i not have the learnings but the life events and outcomes so you lose a car you lose a business you gain a family right like that's yeah i got a very similar story but and i never framed it this way but this is exactly very parallel like i sold drugs and college i quit accounting <laughs> quit accounting in college sold drugs got arrested got kicked out of school had to restart my life again at that age i was all going to do all kinds of crazy things. i was going to be a rapper back then i was going to be a screenwriter i was going to be a director well if it wasn't for any of that i would have never met my wife kind of similar i mean yeah you did it with sports car i did it with cocaine but in the end <laughs> hey both things are uh it's a, a need for speed right <laughs> that was a good one so i'm gonna throw a lot of softballs at you like don brolin and i think that's love metaphorically it. and literally like she's, i don't love don don's got a great 
uh, way about her and I was on her podcast and it was just all easy stuff. She's just throwing easy stuff at me. And you know, that's the softballs. This is going to keep continue to be softballs the rest of the rest of this, but that's all right. Um, I'm not too critical, but I also try to go deep. So <laughs> at a young age, you had a business in college. What was the business? Uh, the business called Think Light. So it still exists today. So even though okay. we had a tough, we went through a tough time and you know, we rebound and and put in the effort. We it was crazy. Like we went from my dorm room to we were like sixty employees, eight and a half million in revenue by the time I graduated. So it was just like a wild ride. Had an opportunity to uh, exit, so I did. Nice liquidity event, and then uh, my partner and his brother now continued it. It's a pretty big company. They light up AT and T, Coca Cola, IKEA, Boeing. I mean, just like. You got all the brands and massive buildings. Actually, the place our office was at last, the lights in that building were all think lights. So, wow, that's cool. So, how did you get into that? Yeah, so, so as really? a, a founder uh, or co-founder with my partner, it just started with like new efficient lighting was coming out, and I looked at the savings and saw an opportunity that like, wow, like yes, these lights are expensive. But the average household or business, whatever, would break even. It's like a very quick break even. And I don't think a lot of people were like doing the math on, you know, how fast that was. And then I had a uh, coupled with that was a project for a class to go and I'm a math major. So I had to go create an algorithm to automate some process or workflow. So I had this, I see this person doing a lighting analysis on campus. You know, and this is like when call it CFLs and LEDs and you know, induction lighting is all like lighting is going through its revolution. So they're doing this and I like they're writing stuff on graphing paper and they're flipping through a catalog. And so all I see is database and like calculation. And so I wrote a program that you could go and quickly enter a few data points, use some light measures and laser scanners, plug it all into the system. And then it would 3D render your property, like show you it virtually the layout, what the lights were. And then you could tweak a dial to basically say, I want more energy efficiency. I want higher, you know, lighting output. And it would presto pull from a database of lights, optimize the layout, the location, the products, and then tell you exactly what the savings was going to be per month and how long these products were, you know, were going to last on average. And then you could effectively click buy. And the beauty of our model was it was all pay out of your savings. So your savings were, let's say it was a thousand bucks a month. You give us 300 of the thousand, you keep the other 700 and you do that for five years. And we would, you know, stock, maintain and give you, it was lighting as a service. Effectively. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, it sounds similar to solar now. Very like, similar. That's how they sell solar yep. to us. Paper um, performance. We were the first ones to basically do it in the lighting industry, which presented a lot of financial challenges, but eventually we figured out. That was your light bulb moment. That was. That was so the vision, light bulb moment. Yeah. The vision to a reality is a definitely an impetus to become an entrepreneur and to continue to want to do that, especially if there were ups and downs and a lot of lessons learned at a young age. So and you're still relatively young. I mean you you're pretty young for, you know, CEO. Yeah, thirty. How let's set the stage too. Botkeeper is for anybody that doesn't know any listeners, botkeeper. Tell us what botkeeper does, all that. Give me the quick pitch, elevator pitch. Yeah, so today, Botkeeper is about 400 employees in six countries, 40 states, I think four continents, something like that. We- A lot uh, of payroll. Yeah, good size payroll. We provide accounting firms and accountants alike with a unified platform for running and operating your CAS practice. And embedded in that platform is a lot of automation workflows, processing, categorization, classification, password management, connection to bank accounts and data, dashboards, you know, communication, doc storage, effectively everything you need to deliver CAS services to your client in one fully unified, integrated and automated space. Botkeeper is the back office for accountants. Yes. Like we try to be the back office for our clients. You're the back office for the accounting firms. Yeah, that would be a great way to put it. Because we can provide you with infinite capacity and allow your people to do two to three X the work output. So imagine supporting two to three times the number of clients and revenue on the same staff. Top line increases, bottom line increases proportionally. All right. So 
This is not going to be a Botkeeper ad. We already ran some pretty fucking dope ads for Botkeeper. You guys had a production company. I don't know if you were involved in that too, but there was there's a couple ads that we ran previously for that. Um, nice. Hope to be running some more soon too. I wasn't. Uh, we had our we had an awesome team though. Like I, we hell yeah, yeah. Anybody I've worked with there has been awesome. Thanks, buddy. And so you have some some prior employees too. You had Byron. I yeah. became friends with him through Botkeeper, and now he's somewhere else. Bot life for life. Bot life, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bot. Like I haven't heard the botcast yet. I'm, I'm waiting yet. to hear the botcast. I'm I'm gonna produce the documentary. I love it. So yes. that's uh, that's a great to idea. be conti- Stay tuned. You know, more coming soon on that idea. So let's kind of go from think light. What happened next? Like. What, you know, you had the liquidity events and yeah. now you've got some money to where, you know, you probably thought maybe I don't have to work again. Or did you, did that go into your head? It did. And I tried it and I actually like went through a state of depression. So it was a bit mm-hmm. hard because it was, you know, I think I'd relate it to if you've ever played video games, you, you know, are struggling at the game, trying to like get through the levels. And it's like, it's a lot of hard work, but it's also fun and you feel accomplished when you're doing it. Getting to flow. And then there's that day where like somehow, some way, whether you looked for it or someone gave it to you about the cheat codes. And it's just like, it's fun at first. Cause you're like, oh, I can go and get all, I can get these things that I always wanted to get. I can do this Game stuff. genie or yeah, or up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. I don't know if you remember that yeah. code. Yeah. But yeah. then then it kills it and then like it's it's uh, now it's not fun anymore there's no yeah uh, immediately uh, like you could play that game for a couple more days and then you're done it's done like contra oh man like it was it was great contra was really hard but then infinite lives infinite ammo i don't even remember playing past the second level because it was boring like right. f- i was just walking through you know yeah and so that's kind of that's basically what happened it was like wow you know this is this is awesome i get to do some of the things i wanted to do i think you know, even on those things, like it wasn't, hey, I want to go buy everything. It was like, I wanted a certain car, built a house. and Maybe invest like, in some companies. Yeah. yeah, did that. And then, you know, spent some time on the beach and I was like bored stiff and like couldn't sit still. And then was also just feeling like I lost my identity. Like I was so much my identity was my company. And so when I would talk to people, I didn't know what to say anymore. What kind of conversations do you have when... There's nothing to really t- relate to, right? Like I'd say it's, it's more the, the people I hang out with, like my my friends, most of them are entrepreneurs, right? So yeah. when I have a conversation, like none of us are doing it for the money. Like we're doing it to solve. We love, I love math. When I was a kid in high school, I love solving problems. I went to my math professor and I said, hey, I love solving problems. What should I do when I get older? He's like, well, you can be a mathematician or you could also be a business owner. And that was literally like kind of the spark of like, wow, entrepreneurship is the path to like solving problems. And so I talked to my friends and they're all doing super cool, creative, innovative stuff. And I'm like, hey, how's this going? Oh yeah, we did this. Or we just launched this new office or we increased efficiency by blah, blah, blah. Or we launched a new drug or a product, whatever it is. And then they asked me like, hey, so what have you been up to? Like I'm, nothing. Well, do you have any new ideas? N- not yet. Like, you know, it's just, it's like writer's block too, right? Yeah. So eventually, obviously, you you hit that point that, what was the defining moment? Do you have a defining moment of when, and was Botkeeper the next thing that you did after? Botkeeper wasn't the next thing. So okay. the defining moment was, all right, I need to go do something. When you started playing the game again. Yeah, you know, you- new game. And I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, you your next game is, to tackle the problem you had at the prior business. So my biggest, the biggest headache we had with the lighting business was uh, accounting. Because we had really complicated financials. We had crazy factoring stuff. We had deferred rev rec, foreign currency conversion, complicated asset depreciation schedules, like inventory management. I mean, you name it, it was like the perfect, and high growth. So perfect storm of accounting night. Yeah. And it was like, I almost missed or missed payroll one point in time. I made payroll with gift cards as a story for another day. Mm-hmm. But due to a clerical error, like a miskeying of cash on hand. So saw this uh, husband and wife that started this cloud accounting practice. It's like, oh my God, if I had had this, this would have been awesome. Reached out, teamed up, invested in the business. 
and then scale the cloud accounting practice with them and just worked on how do we like innovate and streamline process. And, you know, we were like early adopters of like the app stack and like bill.com and even like early intact, you like intact when we were so cutting edge. What year was this? This was 2012, 2013. 2012. Yeah, that's the year I would have guessed. That was the year that the cloud started to develop. So yeah, so we're doing that, growing the cloud practice fast. I mean, we we went very quickly, got to like a hundred clients, and then we're you know kind of scaling beyond that. Like after about three years, we were forty something people and four or five million in, in revenue. And so good cast practice. And this is just pure cast, no tax. Yeah, this is a good good sized cast practice, quick. And I started seeing this problem with finding and hiring accounts. So we had an amazing team. We'd done such an awesome job of finding incredible talent, but the ability to find the talent was getting harder and harder. It was like the number of applicants we were getting was lower. The you know, the turnaround time to like get someone hired was longer. You know, we'd have we'd lose someone, and then our controller would have to jump in and start doing bookkeeping and pulling them out of that, and then transitioning. And the transition to the client was a headache, and the app stack was growing. Like went from only like a few apps to now we had a half a dozen or a dozen per client. Then we're managing all this in like some Google sheet somewhere. Like what's the client name? Mm -hmm. What apps are they using? The closed date. Sounds like us. Yeah. Classic, classic, classic. And so I started doing the research and I'm a math guy, right? So I love stats, go to all these accounting conferences. Everyone's talking about this problem. So I'm like, Hey, it's at least it's not just me. It's not like just us here in Massachusetts It's across the nation. And I started looking at the data and it's like accounting entrants are down 8% year over year on average. You've got, Average age of an account at 55, average partner age at 63, 75% of accounts will be retired in the next 15 years. We need 125,000 accounts on an annual basis, but only 70,000 are entering. Like all these dynamics, like 70, I think it's like 72% or 73% of public accounts that leave an accounting job leave public accounting. So you just got this, like, you can see it happening. And yet at the same time, new business formation is growing exponentially year over year. So more businesses demanding accounting, fewer accounts to do it. So I'm like, aha, light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. What if I could do two things? Build a platform that consolidates the app stack because the system switching nightmare and the siloed data sets and stuff is pain in the neck. And if I could bring all of it in an integrated fashion, you could see, manage, dashboards, docs, you, you name it right there. And they were tied to each other. So the transaction was tied to the document, was tied to the task, was tied to the client went into the dashboard, tied to a workflow, comment, attachment, you name it, fully integrated. That in itself would create an efficiency, but it would also give a firm much greater visibility into their their practice. Like, how does my accounting practice look and who's doing what and are they doing well, efficiently? Well, let's also back up too, though, because part of the another important part of the story is early on, it was replacing accountants too, right? Like this was... Because the fallacy in your thesis was because accountants are leaving the profession, let me solve this problem and be everything to the business owner because we can replace accountants. And obviously you learned, but you know, wasn't that part of the first iteration of this? So, so this is what a lot of people don't realize that I'll have to pull up okay. one of our early investor decks for you. So it started out with, let's build this platform for an accounting firm like the one I had, right? Okay. And then I think if we had all the info in one place integrated, the database, right, of that data would be, would render itself highly powerful for machine learning because it'd be unified and, and integrated. Sure. You'd, you could now not only just have efficiency off of consolidation and integration, you got efficiency off of actual automated processing. So the two, two key aspects of Botkeeper. When we went to market, we started pitching this no one wanted to do it because everyone's like, okay, we like, I'm listen, I'm not going to use some, you know, beta alpha version of a platform that you're building, uh, at my firm on my client. Accounts yeah. are hard to sell to hard, very hard. And they want to prove, I have no proof until I get the first accounting firm to use it. So, uh, I need proof. I need to make sure it doesn't blow up my clients. Like, how do you know it's going to make me more efficient? It's a system switch and a change basically all this. And I'm like, all right. So here's how we're going to go to market. We're going to build this. We're going to create ourselves as being an accounting firm. We're going to build this, iterate it, develop it, hone it, you know, test it, and prove results. 
and then we're going to go to market direct. We can get a bunch of businesses. And the way we'll do this is we'll price low uh, to you know have highly attractive pricing, and we'll maintain if 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 this plays out how we think, we'll maintain industry standard margins at basically a third of the price. And so that's what we went to market with. We got a bunch of clients started. Well, and that's data collection phase too, right? Correct. Like that's build the data is the most important. Or the machine learning. Mm-hmm. So we started doing that and early, right after we did that. So like call it by like the 50th client, we got an accounting firm or two who'd reached out and like, hey, I see you guys. I've heard about you. I've seen kind of what your platform looks like. And I know if you're doing it at these price points or whatever, you're doing something interesting. Can I use it for my clients? And we're like, yes, this is actually what we're we're building towards. So that's when we had, and this is as early as 20, we launched Botkeeper in 2016. Okay. Uh, I think as early as 2017, early 2017, we had our first two alpha firms testing it and mm-hmm. using it, which was cool. And then we raised the round. So when we raised the round, our first you know series seed round, it was on this, hey, we're going direct, but here's the market opportunity. The market opportunity is to build this for accounting firms and distribute through accounting firms. So basically be the back office platform. We wanna be the intel inside every accounting firm in the industry. And oh, by the way, there's 160,000 of them and they own 99.99999% of the entire bookkeeping market as it stands today. There's some new players like, you know, the pilots and, and others that are emerging. Sure. They're trying to be the AI firm of the future direct to the business. We are using the, we had to go direct as a path to get into accounting firms, but like, this is what we want to be once we mature, grow up, once we get the product refined. And then we launched yeah. that in 2018. So we raised around at the end of 2017 with alpha firms, 2018, by the time we raised our next round, we had 35 firms in beta. And then when we launched the product in 2019, mid 2019, the true, you know, generally available accounting firm, we told everyone, yes, we sell direct, but like, we're going to phase this out. We're just going to finish up the testing and iteration on our direct book, rather test on them because it's an N of one if we lose them, then test on you where it's an N of maybe 100 if we lose you because we lose you and a hundred of your, of your clients that are on the platform. By 2020, we announced the end of lifing of our direct product. And in 2021, we sold it off to uh, one of our partners. Cool. So that's the, the story. We mentioned we had challenges in the past was we talked about how Botkeeper would replace an accountant, a need for an accountant. And effectively it's doing that, but not, it wasn't to be like, we're replacing accounts in the accounting industry. It was that if you make one account do the work of three, like you've replaced two ghost accountants, right? And in a world where the supply demand gap is like this, we're, we're just replacing ghost accountants. We're taking current accounting. Well, that's what people fail to understand. Yeah. And it's, it's abundantly clear that if you have more capacity and more freedom of thought, you can do more. And we never really had at our fingertips a way to do that like that like we never had a way to just say okay i'm gonna cut my client base by two-thirds that was what we had to do in the past we had to cut our client base in order to have that extra capacity and time to innovate to be better for our clients to do advisory to you know add more value you're trying to do that without cutting the client base you could do you could have it both ways right Um, right. and because the client base frankly if you could keep it as a foundation there's no reason why you couldn't eventually get them to buy into advisory to buy into incremental services i mean so many like i look at the firms that that you know before they use us and even that do use us they have a, a big book of clients that do like they do really basic stuff for then they have a smaller book of clients that they do, you know, they are doing incremental things for like the basic clients, it's categorization, classification, reconciliation, and you know, kind of like a month end financials produced once a month. The next tier is like, hey, we're doing this maybe for you on a weekly basis, plus we're including bill pay, plus maybe we'll have a dashboard for you, plus, you know, plus, plus, plus a few other things. Then you have like a small subset of your clients that you're doing real advisory for, where you're like taking that dashboard and you're explain to them what it means to them. You're looking at KPIs, you're ripping apart their business and their cogs to try to identify incremental margin. 
You're consulting them on budgets, on forecasts, on cash flow, all those things. And what we're saying is like, don't, don't toss away, because you would if you were going to do it the old way. You would toss away the basic clients and maybe even call it the advanced clients to make room for more advisory services, which is just a silly thing because who are you going to sell advisory service? Way easier to sell advisory to the existing clients you have and upsell them than it is to go and find new clients and convince them of advisory and everything else. So, Well, that's the whole untapped James Ashford's new book. And what he talks about too is, is all of those diamonds that you have underneath the coal mine yeah. in your client base. You know, you could have some clients that you think are shit, but you give them some more attention and then you find out what else they need. And now all of a sudden this client that was only paying you $200 a month is now paying you 2000 because yeah. you're doing this much more for them. And just do it. 500 is 5,000, right? Correct. Like, and you don't have to do it those big steps, just incremental steps, everything in life, right? One foot in front of the other. Keep doing that. And evolve. Uh, yeah. So get the 201 to 300 or to 250 by helping out with just a little bit more. And then once you show that value, it's like as you go up the value curve, they are visu visualization and realization of what advisory can really do for them and how it can impact them. You, you get there and it becomes more obvious. And we have to, and we've continued to do this over the past five, six years is demystify the word advisory. Some accountants yes. don't like it because what does it mean? There's always, they're getting that question. I think we're continuing to demystify it and start to have some more concrete definitions of what types of services are underneath that advisory. Is it forecasting? Is it, you know, fun? Is it, is it just plan, tax planning? Like more, it's time to spend on that. Like there's so much more we can be doing that we, you know, that we are doing. I get frustrated oh. with it too. You know, I get, I get frustrated with that because my team is frustrated. It's hard for me to convey to them what else they could be doing. And they are tradition, traditionally speaking, they like to report on what has happened. They like to report on the facts, yep. not all of this, fuzzy here's what could happen here's here's my thoughts on what you're presenting here here's unknowns unknowns are very scary for a lot of us accountants yep but the, the easiest way to start is do a variance analysis and show the trends on that variance analysis and explain the why it's varied yeah that, that it's that's all past stuff that becomes easy then next it's put a budget together based on those trends and by sitting down with the client, understanding like what their goals, ambitions are, what they see happening, what decisions they might make over the next quarter or two, and just see if you do a budget for like a couple quarters out before you even go like a full year, then use incremental baby steps. So for accountants, what kind of things can they do to learn more about doing this advisory? Are there any uh, events coming up? Are there any, are there, is there anything that they can do to learn and start getting this whole, you know, what is it? The uh, framework to transition to advisory. I'm glad Softball. you asked. Uh, Softball. Yes, I love it. So, um, yes, Unchained, AI Unchained conference, Botkeeper is hosting. It's our first ever conference that we are we are launching. It's users, aspiring users, and just I'd say like interested, intrigued parties that want to make better accounting practices. You can just go to our Botkeeper website, botkeeper.com to learn more. Key difference of this conference versus anything else out there, I hate conferences that just preach fuzzy ideas and generalizations and you attend it and you're like, I've heard people talk about advisory at how many meetings does nothing for me. This is a get shit done, no BS, roll your sleeves up, sit in sessions and do with hardcore materials that will be distributed and presented that enhance your ability to take what you did in that session and do it at scale post-session within your practice. So there's not a, a lot of fluff. We have some great speakers, but every session is oriented to in the session. Here is the step-by-step -step playbook to do this session's things. And we're going to do it together. We'll show you how we're going to all roll up our sleeves. We're going to do it for one client in the session. We're going to do it in one aspect of the practice in the session. And then you're going to take that plus incremental materials we'll deliver it to you to go and bring it back to your practice and do it at scale. Uh, 
It's going to be a combination. It sounds like a combination of Carbon X and Thrival, if I can draw on two recent examples. Carbon X was a lot of self-promotion. They tried to do a couple of things, like a key, you know, but it was it was a small crowd. And Thrival is very integrated, hands-on learning. Yes. It sounds like this is a little bit of self-promotion, but mostly how can we help you guys make you better? I mean, it's for your current users anyway, and potentially just anybody in the industry. I mean, you guys, yeah. and something that you are doing right, I think, is you're charging for it too. It's not just a free conference and it's not you know super cheap. Like this is, you gotta have some skin in the game if you wanna learn. Yep. Um, I, yeah. and then- I was looking at the event um, and the uh, agenda and it looks pretty fucking dope. Thanks, Corey. Uh, yeah, I'd it, love to do a live podcast there. I was I was invited. I I would love to do a part two of this on stage there or my rap on there. But it looks like you guys already got the agenda going. So I think you and I can make it work. We can make something happen. That of course, cool. there's you know obviously going to be a little bit of self promotion, but really it's you know like I said, we've got we're going to have a lot of our existing clients there. So it's less about self promotion and more about just taking their practices to the next level. Now, yeah. There is a self-serving aspect to that because if we make all of our clients better, more efficient, grow faster, support their clients greater, they're going to get more clients. The clients are going to grow faster. Botkeepers are going to get more licenses, and it you know kind of comes back and it's it's full circle. But everybody's happy because they're making more money too. Yes. So it's but but to that's the point. Like we're going to start there, and that's where the focus is because we know that what goes around comes around, we'll get it on the back end. And that's why, you know, even if you're not using BotKeeper, we'll show you how to put all the systems and process and best practice in place and standardize and streamline so that you can leave and make a much better practice for yourself without buying BotKeeper. Like you don't need to buy BotKeeper. And our goal is if you are standardized, you are straight. Just buy a ticket for Unchained. And that's all you gotta buy, right? And it only covers food. Like we do in those tickets, includes all your food. It's pretty much covering the, your costs of the food and yeah. Yeah. All the events like but we're really just trying to cover the food costs because we're we're covering. Well, and you're not putting this on. This is probably this event is going to cost you money. You're not making money on this event no. and I think people should know that too. This is an investment in the profession. Correct. It's an investment in the profession and it's it's obviously should be self-serving otherwise, you know, you're a nonprofit, right? Yeah. Like you are a business. If we make if we make firms highly efficient, standardized, next level cloud, if they're not a Bakira user today, I'll become the best and easiest like potential users for Botkeeper. Because they want to take it from there to the next level. Well, we'll get you to the max that you can be without Botkeeper. And then once you're there, it becomes much easier to use Botkeeper and take it up quite a big ante. But you don't have to. Yeah, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, once you start drinking the Kool-Aid of, wow, this becomes way more efficient, way easier, happier oh, time, I'm well, happier. I know how it is just, to drink you, Kool-Aid. Yeah, you want to go, you're going to want to take it you know, all the way up. Um, oh, sure. I've been drinking the carbon Kool-Aid, I've been drinking the apple Kool-Aid my, almost my whole life. You know, there's a, there's a lot of companies that they give an insane amount of value for what you pay or for what you what you get. and people will remember that too. You always remember your inspiration, the people who inspired you, the people who changed you or those light bulb moments. You remember those deep in your subconscious or blatantly, you know, even if you try to run away from it, I, you know, you can, you can run away from something, but then all of a sudden you go back home, right? Like you go travel the world, figure everything out. And then you realize, ah, I need to go back to this, go back to the basics. Um, And we learn, you know, and it kind of always kind of comes back full circle too with life and with our businesses and with us you know as business owners i think most everybody listens to this owns an accounting firm and you know we we have a lot to learn to become better managers and better leaders too for our people and that's that's sort of what i'm trying to convey with this podcast is a lot of the exterior stuff too i mean we know accounting we know taxes i would think you know we've all been to school We've all learned all these things, but we don't necessarily know how to be good Correct. owners, managers, CEOs, yeah. people. We have to be better humans too. And this world is constantly throwing a lot of shit at us and a lot of things that we need to do, that we have to do. But what do we both want to do and should do, right? Agreed. Like, um, 
and you know i get a little deep at, at the end of a lot of these but and i'm not high like a lot of people think that you know i'm saying all this because you know the weeds talking but i think it's it's more so you know the deep need for us to need to connect and to people this is a live in person event and now i'm going back to unchained right yeah i was not a big fan of the name so tell me how the name came about i i like it because it still is like it's i think it's a little too aggressive though so that that was my only critique of it but it's the name's already out there tell me the impetus to the name or what names you went through in that process we went through uh, a lot of names i can't even remember i mean we wanted botcon to start but like that was already out there and it was actually for like robots or transformers or something like that i liked keeper con nobody liked that that was a little too cute maybe yeah and well so for us like we and then we decided you know what we don't really actually want it necessarily to be about botkeeper as much as oh, okay, be okay. an ai centric kind of like first of its kind ai conference for accounting and so we were trying to be like all right well what do we how do we tie in ai and I think I had like CPAI as like a idea or like it just like kind of like my CP aliens. Yeah, I like it. And so like a bunch of bunch of ideas and we were like, all right, but at the end of the day, we want it to be like a, an emotion, like have it be emotion first and then mm-hmm. an AI. And so like Unchained has the the letters AI. I liked that. I saw that in the and that's what made me like it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I like it now. Now it's kind of grown on me, and um, I might title this episode "Enrico Unchained." Um, I like it, but uh, so yeah, I don't know that how the play that, that off. Yeah, was to you know, if ideally this thing like ends up standing alone on its own, you know, outside of Botkeeper, and um, and like I said, like yeah. some self promotion, but like we try to try to keep it to a minimum. No, I mean you 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 didn't necessarily lead with all of that. When I'm on the website now, it's it's you know the url is yours but then you go on here you don't see much about keeper you don't even see much of you until like the end of the speaker list yeah you know? i mean it's leading with everything else that you're going to gain from this you're, it's leading with the people in our industry that are educators that are teaching us and it's our peers too these are people that have accounting firms that we can learn from and what better way to learn from being part of that conversation and that's why i do this podcast that's why i like the events that are um you know, more centric to real life and not just people talking down to you with information that's five years old. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, one of the coolest speakers we're going to have there is a guy named Hap Klopp, who's the founder of the North Face. And yeah. that guy, if you've ever heard him speak, he's absolutely phenomenal. And I've been very fortunate to have him not just speak, but take me under his wing and, and give me some really great advice as a mentor. So there's another mentor, another inspiration for you. Yeah. Um, North Face is a great brand incredible um, brand great products yeah and so yeah him and brad right. smith those are my my peeps brad smith which brad smith brad smith from intuit the, C- the former ceo okay okay now okay. marshall the president of marshall university yeah though well, those you should have brought them up too when we when i asked your inspirations right I, that's kind of what i was looking for but i like the family that's angle. first i like the family approach it all started as a kid right now family days, first you know all started with eminem did start with M&M. that's slim shady uh shady. lp that's yeah. slim shady I'm, no. I'm impressed you're in elementary school like my son i'm trying to get him into rap i play a lot of it around him and he doesn't like the bad words like i'm playing that shit for my kids and my kids don't like it that's like when we grew up our parents didn't like it because of the bad words yeah. and fuck man like i can't i think we're in that stuck in that middle generation where we don't care what we say but now our kids want to be more reserved. What is up with that? I mean, he's he's eight years old, or so. You know, it's see. I started I'm even younger. I I got my uh, my two daughters, four and two. My dad's Yellow. gone crazy. You play that for them? No, I Yellow Wolf. Uh, a couple like there's a few like where like uh, the you know language is is more appropriate, and but they like love the music. They love the style. They know the words. They sing like they sing it and stuff. So it's just you know over time. I'll, yeah. Well, I got my daughter to sing on the Dark Horse ad. Nice. So I did the, That's I did the Dark Horse I didn't know who that was. Yeah. That's awesome. That was my daughter. Amazing. Um, yeah. So it's, I'll play that at the beginning of this episode too. That's their ad. Um, I know their users of the product and Chase will be at your conference. Chase is a rock so star. Cool. Maybe I can perform that on his way on stage. Dude, that would be <laughs> The bot keeper um, yeah. intro or yeah. the, uh, the Dark Horse. Tear it intro. up. Grab the mic. Drop it. That'll be, that'll be fun. Um, cool. I'll be the rap keeper. 
That's, yes. that's, that'll be my name. Yeah. Absolutely. So, cool. So Boston in September. Yep. Be there. The Register now. Go to the website. I'll put a link in the show notes and um, check that out. And anything else you'd like to share before we go? Anything that we didn't uh, go over? No. I think to pass on to the accounting listeners, our accounting listeners. It's great. Shared a lot of wisdom. Thank you, sir. It's going to be an amazing conference. You'll you'll walk away, I swear, having felt like it was the best money spent uh, at a conference. And so that's a high bar I'm going to set, but I'll own it. If you don't you don't believe that's true, hit me up. I'll refund you. Last thing I would say is it's going to be a lot of fun. So to your point, we we go hard, play hard. There's going to be a lot of playing hard at this conference and and some really cool, unique experiences. For anybody that's been to Engage knows that. Yes. We've done that a couple of years in a row where you're base diving or jumping off of buildings and yes. then going back to construction, rebuilding the foundation. I didn't go to the either one, but I've heard heard good things. It's so. fun. It's good times, man. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. All right, EP. Yeah. We're going to hear the Slim Shady EP one day. Yeah. That's your initials, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's the one I really want to find a way to like... I've always like that's my goal. But Maybe your first rap will be the EP, right? Like the if someone out there can like connect me to Eminem, that would be like a dream come true. That's uh, well, maybe one day if I could ever get there, I'll definitely connect you. But you know, it's, he's a he's a pretty reclusive. He doesn't come out that much. He only comes out for the Super Bowl. Like only for the biggest event yeah. is he going to come out of his his basement. So, uh, we we I do the books it. for some pretty well known rappers. I shared a couple I've with you. But, uh, yeah, well, you need to reach out to Joiner. He's he's on his way up. Joiner Lucas is is a hometown hero for you. Yes, he is. So, Wister. yeah, all right, man. Cool. He's out. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>